1: Anine's relationship with herself transformed from self-judgment and thinking something was wrong with her, that she needed to be fixed, to one of self-acceptance, appreciation, and love. We are all gifted and there is a purpose to everyone's lives. The meaning of our lives is to discover our purpose and share who we are with the world. And it is only when we connect with our true selves, our essence, that we truly come alive. Anine has grown her self-confidence and self-esteem, which has helped her get more clarity about her direction, as well as how to show up in life, both in social settings and in relation to how she approached her work. Dare to be real. Valeria interviews Anine Eklund. She is an entrepreneur, re coach, workshop and retreat facilitator with a master's in holistic health education. She has been practicing worldwide, both online and in person for the past 20 years with her proven Dare to Be Real program that have helped hundreds of women who struggle with self-doubt or experience an existential crisis to connect with their passion, purpose, and self-worth. Anine has a vast experience working with both women and men from many walks of life, from stay-at-home mothers to entrepreneurs and CEOs. She currently targets ambitious, kind-hearted women who struggle to stand up for their needs and wishes. A woman who has put her own talents, ambitions, and dreams on the back burner to support her loved ones as she empathizes deeply with their diminished self-worth and emotional turmoil from living under their capacity. She has a background as a management consultant and has facilitated leadership training programs worldwide and in Fortune 500 companies. She has worked as a certified life coach since 2004, founded and led several support networks, conducted speaking engagements, and facilitated workshop series since 2006. She coaches in English, Swedish, and Norwegian. Meet Anine at a n i n e r g y dot com and anine dot coach. Here's the interview with Anine eklund.
0: In your own words, who is Anina Eklund? So I love these questions,
2: actually, Valerie, because this is what I help people with to actually, in one sentence, say who they are. (laughs) So I say I'm an exuberant, creative, heart-centered, courageous, and wild Norwegian Mm -hmm. woman. And I love to move my body, live healthily, explore my inner world and to adventure into the outer world. Mm. And I'm passionate about releasing people's blocked energies and igniting their innate aliveness so that they can live with passion and purpose. So this is really who I
0: am uh, in a a very short uh, uh, sentence. It sounds really wonderful, though, to hear that. And I wish I would hear this from everyone, really, <laughs> my family members and friends and neighbors. Um, that's a beautiful vision for everyone to kind of see themselves that way, an explorer of life. That's basically what it is, uh, asking question and being a lot more intuitive, right? Okay. And having the courage. You see, you said the word courageous. It takes courage to explore the unknown, because that's what it feels like, the inner self, a lot of times. It's Mm -hmm. a spaceless space in a way that it's unknown to the outer world, to how people see us, society and all that. When you say the inner world, inner power, uh, Mm -hmm. what are you referring to? Yeah, talk to me about that, Anina. Okay, so my inner
2: world is very rich. Uh (laughs) It's really about having like a helicopter perspective of who I am from a bit of a distance, my thoughts, my feelings, my body, you know, what goes on in my body. Mm -hmm. So I have this perspective, not being totally one with it, because then I lose myself in a way, but being an explorer is someone who's kind of looking for a little bit from the outside in. So I have this perspective.
0: So that very much sounds like, correct me if I'm wrong about that, the way I'm interpreting, because I do a lot of uh, spiritual studies and practices, and it's based Mm -hmm. on Advaita Vedanta, which is a non-duality spiritual philosophy. The way you describe that, it's really the inner world, it's really accurate to me. So it is kind of witnessing and being able to see the movements and the activities of mind and body, but not getting mixed up with them, with those activities.
2: Mm. Yes, exactly. You know, like, I am not my mind. I'm not my mind chatter, you know, and uh, I'm not my, well... You know, it sounds a little cliche, like when I say I'm not my body, right. but, you know, I am the observer of all, you know, but I, at the same time, I'm also very connected to all parts of myself.
0: Yes. So it's not the disengaged kind of uh, witnessing of body-mind activities. It's actually engaged with it, but perhaps not attached, right, Oh, exactly.
2: Very much engaged. I I, I think that that makes me come alive. You know, like aliveness for me is very important. And the more engaged I am with whatever is going on, the more alive I feel. But as you mentioned, it's not attachment. And -hmm. what I mean by attachment is, you know, I don't hold on Mm -hmm. to the experience that's going on like that is the ultimate truth of things, because it's ever moving,
0: ever changing. Yes, that sounds very profound to me. And it sounds very much like a non-dual understanding. Is that where your understandings come from as well, spiritual philosophies, or you found them in a different way?
2: You know I have been on a journey of introspection and self-discovery for so many years yeah. and so I I don't really follow any particular philosophies right. I kind of have found my own in a way yeah, yes
0: <laughs> so I've been
2: called a pathfinder you know and I feel very much like a pathfinder I got into meditation when I was already 15 16 years old and so I think that so many years of being in this world has just connected me somehow to this this world this spiritual world and I have of course you know read and and been inspired by you know different philosophers uh, and and uh, motivational um, teachers over the years but I don't follow any
0: particular uh, tradition but did you find language to express Your understandings of reality, your own reality and reality at large, did you find this language within the religious or spiritual philosophies or you came up with your own language?
2: Yes, this is my own language. <laughs> we are all inspired or influenced. Yeah, I wouldn't say inspired. I, mean, I we are all influenced, I think. And I am influenced, I'm sure. Yeah. Of, but it's a collective consciousness that's out there. So it's hard to distinguish what's mm. mine and what's the collective.
0: Yes, Anina, because everything is essentially the same. It's one reality. I mean I would say it's a lot of minds. We all think differently and we all have different bodies and habits, which Mm -hmm. is bodies to me, minds they are really they are the byproduct of the universe of of this Earth, we call the universe, Earth. So it's we can see that clearly, that everything is changing, also cause and effect. If you do this, you get this. So if you do certain things to the body, to the brain, change will occur, and the body-mind will eventually cease to be the body for sure. The mind, I'm not sure about the mind, the subtle mind that might still stay. But then I do see, it's almost as an, an experience myself, that, Common, shared, let's say, uh, being, everything. I mean, I'm using words from spiritual philosophies because I could not find my own. When I came across, Mm -hmm. I found the experience my own, of course, through personal introspection, as you did, which to me is the most reliable one anyway. But then I found language that really got me excited. to went, oh my God, I can't believe I'm not alone. <laughs> These oh, people yes. went through that too. <laughs> and then I found the language of, like you did, in a way, I see that you use the word true self, the authentic mm-hmm. self. That's mm-hmm. language that spiritual teachers would use in, in some ancient philosophies they use. That language is not new, but there's something about... The expression of those words or the feeling, the transmission of those words when they come from human beings who have embodied that truth, that feels different. Mm. It feels very different. And I interview a lot of people and I'm very interested in these things. So I really feel different in their presence.
2: I do too. There is a big difference between speaking about it and being it or embodying it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yes, a, a billion percent. <laughs> you know, and in a, that might be the difference between people who suffer and those who suffer less, per se. I cannot say that I don't suffer, which I would say I don't suffer, but I do experience pain, emotional mm-hmm. pain when somebody in my family gets sick or when they die or when my husband's not feeling well, something happened in his work and he's emotionally's is all over the place. So it makes me sad. And hmm. I don't distance myself from those things. I don't try to, to be spiritual in the sense of, of detachment from everything, as I mentioned earlier. That's what detachment is to me, mm-hmm. really. It's spiritual bypassing, really.
2: I, what I hear you saying, because you say that you are, are, you are not suffering. And I do remember reading that Buddha said that, you know, life is pleasure and pain or joy and pain. But you are choosing suffering.
0: Yes, yes.
2: And so it sounds like you have arrived there. You allow pain to be there. But there's a big difference between experiencing pain and suffering. And I were to define suffering It is when you don't want to experience what you're experiencing. Pushing away, trying to escape, bypass, right? right? Exactly. So then you suffer or you don't want to accept what
0: is. How do you teach your clients? I know I love, I'm already ahead of myself here with the topics. I love the program you have called Dare to be Real. Mm -hmm. For some reason, that really caught my attention. Almost wanted to put the title of the episode there to be real, but I did because it's your program. So I changed the title. But talk yeah. to me about suffer. Do you actually talk to your clients the way you talk to me now? Yes, well, you do. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I do. I'm very real with them for
2: sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then I, you know, it's all about them and their challenges and their questions and their dreams and aspirations and what they want. But when you talk about suffering, this is one of my, one of the core topics is helping my clients to manage their emotions better, you know, and I do this through helping them to really see, accept and love themselves for who they are. So they feel very connected to their true selves. And when they do, they feel more, much more at peace with who they are. And they feel also much more peace in their relationships and what happens in the world so that they can become better at being a witness to what's going on rather than losing themselves to whatever is going on around them because they are standing so strongly rooted in who they are. Um, I don't know if you can just imagine, you know, a person who don't really know who they are, they're easily pushed over You know, like if you stand on the floor and I I say, I'm going to push you now and you say, OK, fine. You know, I just push you and you are not really grounded and rooted in yourself. Mm. It's easy for me to push you over. But when you really know who you are, it's like a kinesthetic experience. You can do these kinesthetic tests, you know, and you affirm who you are. You stand so strong in yourself and then the turmoil can happen around you. But you can deal with it because you know how to be yourself and stand strong in yourself. That sounds like grounding. That takes practice, doesn't it, Anina? It takes practice, for sure. But the transformation really happens when you stop self-doubting, when you know who mm-hmm. you are at core. Yeah. Yeah. It's a world of difference. You know, I have this life purpose program that I developed due to my own suffering, my own pain. You know, I was so fed up with suffering and I had promised myself I was not going to go in the footsteps of my mother who was suffering a lot. I had deeply felt so much pain for her when growing up, seeing her suffering. And I promised myself to not, you know, experience the same or be the same type of mother towards my children where they saw me suffering. That's a a challenging path unless you really know who you are, what your values are, what your strengths are, what, you know, your beliefs, uh, uh, that you feel worthy, etc.
0: So it has to do with practice in the sense of kind of undoing a lot of the doing that has been done. (laughs) That has been my practice in the sense of body-mind complex. Because, wow, it's amazing how much we learn and how hard it is to unlearn from that perspective, right? And in a body, mind. Yes,
2: yes. And, you know, you you say body, mind. And what is fascinating is, you know, whatever we experience in the mind, you know, the thoughts that are created in the mind, they create emotions, right? Mm, Yes. And the emotions we feel, they determine the actions we take, And the actions we take determine the results we get in our lives. And that Mm -hmm. creates our destiny in a way. So if we want a different reality that we have, Mm -hmm. you know, by becoming aware of our mind and our mind chatter and by reprogramming the mind to have much more positive self-regard, to see ourselves with new eyes, you know, see the beauty and the uniqueness of who we are, that creates a much more positive emotional state that then impacts our actions and the results that we create in our lives. Mm. And that also impacts, of course, the body, because I used to suffer so much in my body because I had such a negative self-talk. I didn't believe in myself. I was judgmental and critical about myself and that manifested in so much a, you know physical pain and you know all different kinds of ailments but as soon as I I healed my childhood wounds and I saw myself in a new light
0: I feel fantastic in my body I have no pain anywhere in my body see that's the courage that you spoke earlier I really have to go back to that idea. Is that what it took you to uh, go through the healing process, the recognition that something had to be done? Courage or acceptance would be number one. In my case, it was acceptance.
2: Yeah, you know, I have been, you know, courageous. I actually have been in my life. I think that I've been such an explorer in my life. So that requires courage because I... I have always wanted to experiment and experience a lot more than what I had witnessed around me. And that took courage to kind of be out there on the, you know, the field alone, in a way, out in the world alone. And the more I was uh, courageous and exposed myself to the world and the both the outer world and my inner world, you know, I became much more accustomed to to being out where it was uncomfortable. You know, I got used to that, you know, whatever is uncomfortable now will become comfortable when I've just been hanging in this Mm -hmm. uh, uh, state for a little while or this situation for a little while. So in order to get to heal, I tell you, you are very right. Actually, when you're pinpointing that, because I had not been very courageous when it came to looking at how I sabotaged myself. Mm, yes, you know, because yeah. I was suffering, I didn't want to. I didn't understand the importance of looking within rather than looking without for the answers. So it took a different type of courage. And the courage to actually, you know what, it was the courage to let go. It was the courage to let go of control, of thinking that I knew the answers. You know, and I actually get goosebumps when I say this now, because it reminds me of the moment when I declared to the universe that, help me, (laughs) help me. I have had enough of this suffering and I, my life has to change. There's no way I'm going to continue like I have because, you know, it's not leading me to what I want. And that's when I got help you know, that's when I got the new insights and ahas, because I thought in the before, it was like there are two parts of my life, is the, the before I kind of realized that I had a purpose and then the, the after. And before I thought I had to, you know, kind of suffer and fight and struggle to get my needs met or to arrive somewhere. And mm-hmm. when I discovered my purpose and connected with my true self, then I relaxed much more and things started to come to me. I I allowed things to come to me rather than directing
0: it so harshly. Because we talked a lot already about the true self and what is, that is. Is that similar to intuition? Would you say, could we use that word as well, coming from the heart or being intuitive? Is that the same thing? And you know. So being intuitive uh, is
2: part of you know you come from your true self when you're being intuitive you are listening to your your gut feeling of something but being your true self i define more as someone who are really being authentic and you know they show up without a facade, you know, they know who they are at core, they know their strengths, their uniqueness, their gifts, they feel very safe in who they are, Mm -hmm. like they are good Mm -hmm. enough, you know, they're worthy, and therefore they show up, Without a filter, without having to be somebody or pretending or adapting to, you know, circumstances, they are being themselves while they are with themselves or when they are with others, whether they are meeting the queen or, Mm -hmm. you know, the bus
0: driver, they are showing up as themselves. Yeah. So there's no separation, really. No disconnection, no. right? Within and without. It's no. one and the same. Yes. That really resonates true to me. Another question I have for you is about, I know it's one of the practices and the, also the terms that I use a lot within my own work, uh, self-love and self-acceptance, all that. But then... And I I kind of observed, I have noticed within myself, my own experience that a lot of times it's not not the experience I have when I see, let's say, injustice, you know, other human beings abusing children, animals. There's a part of me that really gets sad and sometimes very upset about that. And I Mm. don't like that. And I can say I love myself, but I don't like that part of me. That takes over in in those moments. And it's kind of searching, looking for justice and to see a world that's beautiful, you know, where we live in harmony, everybody's peaceful. So it's mm. almost like something in me that's not really realistic. It's almost deluded in a way. <laughs> so I don't like mm. that. It's not accepting what it is. So talk to me for a moment about loving ourselves. Mm-hmm. And which we, I can extend that to loving everyone, loving others too, because we can only love others when we love ourselves. But mm-hmm. it, we don't have to like those parts of ourselves, if I can. Parts, when I say part, in a sense of uh, perceptions, the way we experience reality from the perspective of some per- experiences, such as the one that I just mm-hmm. mentioned, injustice, abuse, and all that. So mm-hmm. how do we balance this? Is that something that we have to balance, Anina, or it's just very, let's say, natural to love something but Mm. not like everything about it? Mm. Well, this is a very, very
2: important and uh, significant uh, question uh, that you bring up. And first of all, I want to say that love, you know, loving yourself and loving others is not separate from Uh, having values that are, you know, you feel has been violated. And it's very natural that when you see injustice to have a reaction and that you should also uh, totally accept that. And it's healthy reaction when you see injustice to to react and not judge yourself for having a reaction because that's the only way we can stop injustice from happening is to speak up about it and so if I see a child being screamed at or slapped yeah. or something in the store it, it causes me to or, or uh, you know a dog being beaten or you know it causes a lot of, of strong feelings in me as well and I act mm-hmm. you know yes. I speak up but I, I don't speak up in a aggressive way because mm-hmm. I don't think that Aggression will help in that situation. I understand that someone who is being is violent towards someone has been, been violated themselves, you know. So having compassion somehow in the background for, you know, their past, but still not accepting their behavior, uh, but trying to reach them somehow, you know, trying to understand, you know, uh, they are often very frustrated. I mean, I spoke to one client today who keeps on just giving, giving, giving to others all the time, and feels completely depleted. And then she yells at her son, because she's so depleted. But she's a beautiful soul, you know, beautiful uh, human being. But you know, we all have our limits, Right. right? So understanding that, you know, we all end up sometimes not being our best selves, and trying to see what we actually sometimes can maybe do for them to help them, uh, to give them a hand or whatever is needed in this situation. Right. I think every situation requires, you know, a, a resourceful uh, a response. You you respond in in a fashion that feels intuitively to you like the right response.
0: Beautifully said. Yes. I love to hear that from you too. It has been my own experience to kind of even not judge, but it's almost like I cannot believe I still have that, those feelings. (laughs) It's almost like feeling Mm -hmm. that, yeah, in a way, in a way, it's almost like being demanding to the body-mind to... Mm. Not to feel certain things, and we cannot demand that from the body and the mind. Not to feel no. right, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: No, yeah. you are so right, and I think that you can from now on just stop that. Yeah. Whole, uh... I know. I'll try. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm. And and if you kind of step back and just and understand that you know you value, you know what value is behind what it is that you react to. So if you were to say that, yeah, I value kindness, love and kindness, and what I just witnessed was not love and kindness. But if you then try to see that person who was being violent with love and compassion, that there is something that has caused their behavior, then you feel less attached to the the emotion, the Mm. feeling that you are having. You know, Aikido... They never attack, ah. right? They always try to go behind the attacker mm. to mm. try to look at, you know, so they, they try to go behind, they always try to go behind, behind, behind mm. every time they strike because their philosophy is that we need to try to look at the world from their perspective.
0: Mm. Yes. And not to attack back or counterattack. And not right. to attack yes. back. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Exactly. You know, I love this. Clarity uh, and wisdom, of course, uh, from another human being to hear your voice say that it just makes a lot of sense. Yes, when you say we can do something about it, but in a peaceful way, coming from the right place, which is a place of love, Mm -hmm. really, isn't it, Anina? It's all inclusive. That's what the true self, pure consciousness, God, the source, whatever we want to call it. It's really all inclusive. It doesn't really push away anything. So why would we? and what you are uh, talking about when
2: when we get very angry for example at somebody who is being violent then we do, we have forgotten to have that big perspective you yeah. uh, know that to to see things in a, in in wholeness uh, we are very singular focused. So if we can try to expand, you know, our vision and just ha- pe- keep that in the background and that helps through meditation and breathing exercises, it gives us uh, more uh, space between stimuli and response, as I call it. Most parents, you know, they latch out at their children and they don't like that about right. themselves. And they maybe, you know, they bark at their husband or, you know, they, they are, you know, or, or wife, <laughs> yes. you know. And so what I, I tried to help people with is to develop that space between stimuli and response. Because in that gap, you know, we have an opportunity to choose our response. Uh, but you know, most people don't feel like they have that because, you know, their reptile brain, you know, their more ancient yes. part of our brain, which is the survival brain wants to fight, you know, fight or or, or flee. Mm -hmm. But we develop that space between stimuli and response. We are operating from our frontal cortex, uh, from the wiser part of our brain. And there we can decide, there we can see things from a whole
0: different perspective. Yes, it's very helpful. I absolutely agree. Meditation, any mindfulness activity, actually. Mm -hmm. I do yoga, breathing exercise. I stop and pause a lot of times, just um, randomly, just kind of. But it's not, I have to say, it's not easy, though. I know it's a practice, that's why I was kind of very reluctant with the idea of practice because I was kind of uh, under the impression that when we get to know and get to experience like per se the, the true self and have that, that feeling, let a say felt understanding, then everything would be so much easier. <laughs> then the body-mind would automatically kind of follow that direction and always be kind, always be, always breathe before responding to anything. But then, you know, I noticed that really, yeah, it's a practice for life. Oh, it's
2: a practice for life, and it gets easier. Yeah, I You're you already on the path. I mean, it took me years to get to that place where I am today. Right. But with the tools that I have, that I developed, it made it so much easier, yes. right? But yes. uh, I think that a daily practice to connect with one true self. Yes. Which I am passionate about and that helps to center me is really key. I say that, you know, in order for me to connect with others, I need to first connect with mm, myself. Yes. So I always start the morning, for example, my husband knows this, my children knows this, that I like to get up earlier than everybody else uh, and sit by myself and I I sit and I journal, write, uh, I I gaze out the window, I have a candle, you know, flickering and and a, a cup of tea and I sit and I write about my, you know, my experiences, my feelings, my thoughts. That is another way To actually develop that spaciousness between stimuli and response, you know, (laughs) that you have gone inside yourself so much that feel like you are have more distance to whatever is going on. So if I don't connect with myself in the morning, I don't feel like I show up as good of a version of myself with the world as when I have connected with myself. So therefore, that is my uh, ritual,
0: daily ritual. But it's really recognizing something here that I have ignored for so long. That that's mm-hmm. what I call ignorance. Really, it's ignoring this ever-present presence. It's just so it's so beautiful and calm and peaceful, and it's always here. But because of the activities of the mind, you know, and the, all the to-do list we have, and and because the mm-hmm. mind-body they live in the um, time space realities so it's not easy for most of us to really get in touch with that ever present peaceful reality mm-hmm. that's here that we all share that we, i mean i cannot imagine anyone not experiencing that peacefulness because it is here if it is my experience i'm, I'm sure it's yours too and everybody else which so many people have through meditation and you know, other forms of uh, of rituals, as, as you mentioned. But yeah, for me, mm-hmm. Anina, it is more like um, it's almost like celebrating, honoring the ever-present presence, ever-present presence, peaceful, powerful presence. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's about the peace yes. I find. You know,
2: present. This is ex- exactly how I define. You know, uh, connection, being connected to oneself. You know, what does it mean? You know, I feel grounded in my body. I have an open heart. I feel connected to the universe. I feel free of stress, worry, anxiety. I feel inner peace. This is, you know, how I I feel, uh, that's how I know that I'm connected to myself and that I feel a tremendous sense of aliveness.
0: Yes, right. It's coming from that place That so that would make sense. Right. And yes. isn't it interesting? And it's amazing because it's not hidden. It's here. It's accessible to everyone. But for some reason, I mean, for the reasons that we know, actually, we are very aware of uh, time, space, body, mind, then it's, um, it's not easy to, as you say, connect or recognize, celebrate it. But I mm-hmm. really, I don't know what it is. I have been practicing, like talking to you now and at the same time being aware of that presence. That peacefulness is here. Ah. And I can, I can kind of sense it in you, too, because it's there, too, and you're not there, you're here. So mm. it's really an amazing thing to be recognized. So thank you so much, Anina, for your presence in that presence, which I, I can see and feel, let's say, mm. I see with the eyes, with the inner eyes. And I absolutely love everything that you're doing. And this beautiful desire, heart desire to help others, to heal, to grow and to recognize their true self. I mean, that's what we need more yes. in this reality.
2: Thank you. Yes. And really to feel like empowered, you know, to live, uh, you know, our dreams and and uh, to not put our own talents and ambitions and, and strengths on the back burner, yes. you know, because we are putting everybody else first you know this is the type of people that i feel particularly inclined to support those are the givers to everyone but themselves you know because they maybe don't feel worthy enough they don't see themselves uh, clearly enough and therefore it's much easier to put other people first Yeah, learning to come back home to themselves, they will be able to be greater givers (laughs) to others, uh, but from a place of feeling like their cup is full rather than empty, you know, that's really uh, key to me. And uh, I know what it's like to come from a place of depletion and feeling kind of victimized and, you know, being taken advantage of and just being able to... Feel uh, that power within uh, and strength and know how to navigate uh, life towards what is important uh, to them. You know, it's, it's for me the greatest mm-hmm. joy <laughs> I really like I'm living my
0: calling. This is my my true calling. Yeah. I'm really grateful. I found that. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. very much listening to you. It's truly beautiful. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for doing what you do. And I do see that you work with women, and it seems like women only. Well, I don't work with women only. I've been working as a coach for 20 years,
2: uh, and but right now, you know, they say you know when I was became yeah. a coach. You know, there were no coaches uh, yeah, <laughs> out, out there. Now with uh-huh. so many coaches out there, you know, it's important to actually be visible out yeah. in the world. Yeah. We are encouraged as coaches to niche ourselves. Yeah. And, you know, I was asked, who do I feel most for, you know, and I do feel a lot for these Warm-hearted, kind, uh, generous, empathetic women who have a tendency to put themselves on the back burner. Because I believe that these women, they are needed in the world, big time. You know, they are can bring so much more harmony and balance to the world, creating much more um, well-being and health for all. But they need to learn to fill their own cups first, to f- put on their own oxygen mask mm. first. So that they don't get, you know, depleted and sick and, uh, you know, and wither, you know, but that they stand strong in their power. Right. And we do need
0: guidance, right? That's, yeah. Yes. We need one another to grow. Yes, that's it. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Thank you so much, Anina, again, for your beautiful work, your beautiful presence, for being genuine and open to life. Thank you.
2: Oh, thank you for having me on your podcast. I really appreciate it. It's been delightful yeah. to get to know you and speak to you. I've spoken to you a few times now.
0: I love I've loved every minute. Yes, I feel the same way. What is another word for healing?
2: Hmm. Another word for healing is um, growing whole. Yeah. Wholeness. Yes.
0: How do you define
2: success these days, Anina? Success is really defined in my world uh, according to what one values, what one finds really important in life. So it's definitely not in material uh, terms, but in terms of, you know, living in alignment with who one is. And doing what one loves to do and having healthy relationships, healthy body, healthy mind,
0: that is, to me, success. Sounds wonderful. Thank you so much again. And before we say goodbye for today, where's the best place to find information, more information about you and your services, Anina?
2: I actually have two (laughs) websites currently. So one is aninergy. It's a very feminine uh, website. It's actually my name combined with energy. So it's a n i n e r g y dot com. So aninergy, uh, because I was called aninergy (laughs) because I had so much energy. And the other one is
0: aninaecklund dot coach. Ah yes, I have those two links here. Are you on social media too?
2: Yes, I'm on social media, too. So and uh, I'm under an energy on Instagram. Uh, I have a Facebook page, but I'm not super active there. And then I'm on LinkedIn. I'm not very active there either. But I, I'm, you can find me there as well. But mostly on Instagram, that's where I'm sharing some posts. And I, I have actually done a few TikToks as well. So you can find me
0: there under Anine Connects. Wonderful. I'll have your website links on your podcast profile so they can find the social media on your website too, the icon in the links. Thank you so much again for your presence, Anina, and we'll talk soon.
1: Bye for now. Yes, yes. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Anina Eklund and her work, please visit a-n-i-n-e-r-g-y dot com and eckland.coach
0: to learn more about this podcast please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast thank you again for listening and bye for now